Welcome to Everyday Pastor. Whether you have been a pastor for 40 years or four days, this space is for you. As a pastor, you spend your days encouraging and problem solving for others, but where can you turn for sound advice on leading your church or keeping your family a priority? On this podcast, Phil Waldrop will connect you with his ministry friends to talk about the things your layman friends don't understand or can't relate to. We want to help ordinary pastors have extraordinary ministries. Let's dive in. Hey, this is Phil Waldrop, and I want to thank you for joining me today for the Everyday Pastor podcast, where we're just helping ordinary pastors have extraordinary ministries. And you know, one of the frustrations that I hear from pastors all the time, even one pastor said it this way to me the other day, you know, I would really like the ministry if it wasn't for people. And he went on to tell me how he was just so irritated with so many people in his congregation, just a couple of three people he mentioned. One lady volunteered for everything, and then she always got sick or had to be out of town. Another guy just, he's all into details, and he said he's almost always killing our momentum because he wants every little detail. Then others are like, results, results, results. Why don't we get the results that we have? And then another person, maybe they're a little sensitive, very creative, but they're just sensitive. Maybe get their feelings hurt a lot. Well, the pastor said, I just want to throw my hands up. So if you're that pastor, and if you're not, you've probably only been at your church a short time because every pastor has felt it. Our guest today is going to help you understand why people are the way they are. Show us how Jesus even interacted differently with his disciples. You know, he dealt with Peter one way, and he dealt with John another way, because Jesus understood every person is different. And our guest today is one of my dear friends, Paul Joyner. He is the chief creative officer and executive director of Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah, and had the privilege of getting to know Paul. And I have to tell you what Paul taught me personally and has taught our staff about how to work with people, where to make sure people are in the right place, in the right ministry. Sometimes we get a little irritated because people, uh, maybe they're just in the wrong place, doing the wrong thing, and it's not where they're going to blossom. Maybe they just say yes out of guilt. So I'm delighted he's going to join us. And by the way, this is a two-part podcast. We're going to cover half of it today and the other half in our next podcast. But with that said, Paul Joyner, thank you for joining us today. Hey, Phil, so so happy to be here with you. Well, I want to start just a little bit with you telling us, you call these adventure styles, and everybody has a different adventure styles. So before we get too much into details, would you just give us an overview, and particularly how did you come to realize these different adventure styles that people have, and how you began to implement it in your ministry at Turning Point? Well, you know, Phil, my dad's a pastor and uh, actually he's a pastor for 60 years in the same church. And growing up in the church, I realized, I think I started seeing patterns in people. I don't know if if anyone else does, but you see how people behave. And um, I just was fascinated with that. As I grew, I took all the tests that everyone's taken, all the different personality tests, and they were all great, but they seemed to be a little confusing. Uh, They were 
kind of hard to remember. And more than anything, they were difficult to, um, they weren't transferable. Like I knew my personality. And if I took a test, I could tell who I was. But in dealing with other people, it was a struggle to, to, to help, help them. It was a struggle for them, uh, for me to know who they were without, I couldn't have them take a test. And as pastors too, you have a lot of different people in your church and they're all very unique. So you can't have everyone just take a test. You have to know how to spot who they are. And that's where the adventure styles came from. The adventure styles came from me being frustrated with how to communicate to people who thought differently than I did. And it all comes down to everyone approaches life different. And I found out that basically there are four different ways that people approach life. And as I started working through this, I discovered that uh, it was a great insight to people, how the people behaved, how they communicated, and actually how they related to God and how they connect to God. And that's where the adventure styles came from. So one of the things that you've taught us is that people are... I don't know the right words to describe it, but they're motivated and they get a sense of fulfillment from their adventure style, right? What, whatever that adventure style is. And sometimes, you know, we talk about personality, personalities, traits, but I think it's important to understand you're talking about adventure styles, which is really what motivates people, makes them feel like they've accomplished something. So with that in mind, just give us, so we have maybe the 30,000 foot view, just give us the four types of adventure styles. And then we're going to dig a little deeper into two of them today and two of them in the next podcast. Perfect. Life is an adventure and we all approach life differently. And that's why I call them adventure styles. You know, Phil, you're a different adventure style than I am. And together, our adventure styles can really accomplish a lot. So let me tell you about the four adventure styles. In an adventure, the very first thing that someone does is they see a place they want to go. They see things that are not maybe present. They have more vision. They have more um, insight into where we should go in the future. I call those explorers. They're searchers. They're people who are philosophically based and they are asking questions. Why not? How come? What if? And they are people who are always looking into the future. In fact, sometimes with explorers, I say they're, they're living in the past or they're living in the future. They have a hard time living in the present because they're always looking at what's next and what life could be. Then behind them comes a trailblazer who is saying, hey, I love to talk about what's next, but I want to put some action to it. So they're more of a conqueror instead of a searcher. And they are performance-based. They want to move forward and they want to conquer. And they do. They just move forward and they blaze a trail to where they're going. And they're performance-based. They love to feel like they have had an impact on the results. And behind that explorer and trailblazer comes a navigator who is like, now that we saw where we're going and we've conquered getting here, maybe we should put some order to this. So a navigator is behavior-based. They like to know the rules. They like to know the expectations. They like to know what's expected of them. And they sit down and say, let's put some order and structure to this whole adventure. Then after we've done that, a traveler comes along and says, hey, it's great that we got here, 
but why don't we create some community? They're all about the experience that they, they want. In fact, that's how they approach life. It's all about the experience and they're, they want life to be enjoyable. They want options and they have a strong sense of interaction. So the adventure goes from someone who has dreamed it to someone who's conquered it, to someone who's organized it, and then someone who has made life very fun and interesting and enjoyable. And that's the adventure that we all take. All very different, all approach this same adventure uh, a different way. And that's what I call the adventure styles. And I would add, we all need those other styles in our life. Yes. And especially if you are a pastor or a ministry leader, if you're not careful, you will surround yourself with people that are just like you. And that becomes very irritating. Um, And you don't get things done. And you certainly don't get them done well. That's right. Because I find that most teachers and pastors, they teach in their adventure style. And they, like you said, Phil, they usually hire people who see life their way, but sooner or later that gets frustrating to them because they may, for instance, if it's an explorer, they may have a lot of great ideas, but they don't have anyone on staff to organize and make those dreams come true. They love to be around people who are dreamers like they are, but if they don't have the wisdom to bring someone along who can conquer that and organize it and even have a sense of community with, uh, you know, in the same process, then their dreams never come true. So you're totally correct. We tend to approach our pastorate or our ministry like our adventure style. And a wise man will look further and say, I need to have all of these for perfect balance. And as we're going to see, I'm sure as we explore each of these, sometimes there are things that one style can do that if the other one is not aware of, can rub them wrong a little bit, or they think they're not uh, doing their job, or um, even in some cases thinking, well, they don't love Jesus as much as I do. I mean, we all feel that way sometimes. So I'd like for us to take each of those. We're going to take two in this podcast, the other two in the next one, but let's start with the explorer. Talk to us about the characteristics of an explorer, and particularly even as you get into that, who is someone in scripture that we can all look at and say, oh, there was an explorer. So tell us about the explorers in our life and what are they like and help us be able to identify them. Explorers are, their life approach is uh, purposeful pursuit. They are the searchers. They're philosophically based people. They're always asking the question, I must find meaning in this. And they're motivated by connection. They want to feel this matters. When I'm an explorer, when I went to church, I enjoyed everything. But sometimes I felt like I didn't know why, what it was about. I wanted to connect to the reason we're doing this. These are the people in your church who are all about the cause of the church. They're all about wanting to know what I should know, what others should know. And they have a very philosophical view of life. Um, I kind of say their motto is embrace life's wonder and find worlds to to wander. They love ideals. They're the people in your church that are pretty idealistic. They're also full of question marks. And I think this frustrates pastors sometimes because they have people coming up and say, why is this? And why do we do this? And how come this is happening? And I, I understand that how that can be frustrating to them. The answers why are very important. In fact, if they know the answers to why, 
and not have to be told, well, does it matter? You just need to be told, you know, you, you, you need to just do what I say. If they're told the, the reason why, they will be your most loyal church members. If you can get them to be involved with the vision of the church, the vision of what you're doing, and under, help them understand the why of where you're going, they will follow you anywhere. They're usually very visionary people. They're sensitive. They're imaginative. And they're actually, they will dream with you as well. And the, the thing about the explorers is their search is really connected to their heart. And they love the journey even more than the destination. So if you really want to harness people in your church who really want to grab onto the dream or vision you have for your church, these explorers will do that. But they will want to know why behind it and how come, and they, they will follow you anywhere. Now, a lot of your creative people could be explorers. Uh, they tend to be creative. They tend to want to do everything. They're a painter and a singer and a writer and a graphic artist. They tend to want to do it all. And the reason why is because they're a question mark. If you assign a punctuation symbol to them, it would be a question mark. When you look out over your congregation, you will see people, look. some will have question marks above their head. It's not a threat to you. To them, it's just an important part of being involved. If they know why, they'll do anything. Uh, they are distracted with different causes because they're interested in helping other people and they're interested in being needed. Um, and their life is good when they can dream with you. If you have explorers in your congregation and you can bring them in inside with you and share your heart more, they will flourish. And, and when they communicate, they communicate a little more uh, abstractly and more maybe artfully. They may, you may not understand what they say. They may communicate through music and song or have trouble actually articulating what they feel. If you have a child who's an explorer, you would find that child to be probably affectionate. They connect very much through affection. Uh, connection is their motivating force. And as an adult, they're the same way. They're the ones that are probably express themselves very clearly to you when good times and bad, but they are um, people who will move forward with you. I think in the Bible, um, well, first of all, in your church, they connect to God through sensation. They're emotion focused. They, what you do in service matters. The intentionality to an explorer is huge. If things have a purpose, if I went to church today and there was no purpose, it was just a pep rally, it was just a lot of fun, and we had ice cream, and we had balloons after church, they enjoy it. But if it's not purposeful, and they didn't find intention in that service, they're frustrated. Um, there's many explorers in the Bible I, I, we could talk about. Uh, I think of Joseph. He's what I call a low-end explorer. He's more of an introverted explorer. And he was an insightful dreamer. He dreamed, he had all the dreams. His brothers really didn't like the way he dreamed. His dad did. And his coat of many colors was a gift that his dad gave him. And it seems like to be a symbol for explorers as multifaceted interests, multifaceted personality. And look at Joseph, no matter whether he was in the pit or the prison or the palace, he connected to everyone. It was like there's a guy in prison who is very insightful, has a lot of discernment, 
And you can tell him anything. He can probably give you an idea what's going on. That was Joseph. And Joseph was that dreamer who God used in a way to have vision way past what was going on today and seeing the future. And then you think of another dreamer in the Bible or explorer, and that's David. You know, who was David? Was he a shepherd? Yes. Was he a musician? Yes. Was he a singer? Yes. Was he a dancer? Yes. Was he a warrior? Yes. He was a Renaissance man. He did it all. And he was very passionate about the pursuit of God. And you can read in Psalms where he's angry at God and he's delighting in God. He has bad days and he has good days. Did he inspire people with his vision and his philosophical talk? Yes. Was he distracted? Yes. That's where That was his downfall. These are explorers. These people connect to God through the experience of intentionality and making everything meaningful. When I was a kid, my mom used to tell me, Paul, as meaningful as everything is, not everything is that meaningful. They have trouble sometimes realizing that not everything is meaningful. So Phil, even in the church, they may be wanting to put meaning in places where there's no meaning. They have trouble sometimes just having fun and being silly because they want everything to be important. But explorers are those people who are will really connect to you and your church if there's vision, if there's meaning and intentionality. So let me just, as a ministry leader, I'm going to step in here and I'm going to say, okay, Paul, I know exactly who that person is in my church. Maybe it's a staff member. It's a guy who's, you know, one of our deacons or a lady in our church who leads the mission organizations. Everybody, I think as you shared that, we thought of someone. How how do I, and I know this is a little difficult to do until we really get into all four of the adventure styles, because the pastor along this journey is probably going to discover his own adventure style. But for this moment, how do I relate to that person? I understand they want to be connected. They want to know why they want to have purpose. So let's just say, first of all, where do they really excel in the church? Um, uh, We're not saying this role necessarily has to be. I think music is something you said is obvious, but you can be a musician and not be an explorer. I want to be very clear. Absolutely. that we don't want to just totally put people in a box. You can't no, do that. Absolutely. But where do the explorers work well um, on a team and in, in the scope of church life, where's a good place for explorers to be? And where do I really want to say, this is a place, at least I need this explorer at the table. And this is why in yes. the real world of the church. In the church, I'll tell you where explorers excel. Um, they excel in what's next. If you can bring them along to a vision and sit down with them and say, whether it's kids ministry or youth or the direction of small groups or a campaign, they are idea people. They love to, to present ideas and concepts if you gave them a mission statement and say, go away and think of this and bring back me your thoughts on this, that is where they excel. They also excel if you really want them to connect with new people at your church, make them feel welcome. When Explorer talks to people, people usually walk away and say, I feel like I've just met my new best friend because they may not be as, um, maybe they may not be as, as gregarious as a traveler 
but there's a deep connection. It's someone that you feel like you've always known. Uh, some people call them old souls. So I feel like those are two spots in a church that they really excel in is what's next and connecting to people that are that you're trying to bring into your church. The explorers will don't explorers are not as social as you think they are. And they also sometimes don't really enjoy small talk. What they do enjoy is purposeful conversation. So if you want to, if you have a new visitor or a new family in your church or something that you're trying to work with a class and a new teacher, think about an explorer because they have a way of talking about things that are important or personal that people connect to. Well, is it also safe to say that explorers, generally speaking, are relationship oriented? I don't necessarily mean relationship as they like to be around people or as you said, to have fun but they do connect with people at an emotional level, uh, probably more so than the other adventure styles. I also hear you saying they are the people that when we present something, we should not be upset if they don't give us an immediate answer. Absolutely. If, yeah, yeah. If we're, if we're in a, a committee meeting and the pastor says, we got this new campaign and we're going to roll it out. And the explorer asks those, well, why are we doing it? How, you know, all of that. And they say, well, I need a few days to think about it. That's not a rejection. If I'm hearing you clearly. It's not a rejection. It's just a process. Uh, you'll have some people in that meeting who will be immediately like, Hey, what can I do to make it happen? Give me a job. Other people will say, let me walk away and organize this for you. Another person might just be your cheerleader and say, whatever you want to do, pastor, that's what we want. Explorers. Sometimes it goes deep, very fast. It also almost is packaged in an emotion, whether it's a thought or a concern, or a, you have to let that process in them. I find out explorers that I lead, that if I just give them the time to think about it and come back and give me their thought, it's not a threat to me. Because even if I say, I don't care for this, or this is not the way we're going to go, at least they were seen and heard. I think for explorer, it's not what you say, it's what you do. And it's not what you said, it's how you said it. And I think they just need that time to work through that question mark. And it doesn't mean that they're, they're, they disagree. It just means any time. They also will come up with probably more ideas than you want, to be honest with you. They're an mm -hmm. idea factory. So sometimes you say, hey, I love everything that you did. I appreciate that. Here's the one idea I think I really am going to take uh, that you suggested. That's just a little bit, they just are always, in fact, you can hear the search in their voice. They're always kind of searching for an answer. And sometimes pastors or leaders take that as they're, 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 they're doubting what you're saying. Don't take that personal. They're just searching. In a minute, we'll learn, we'll, later we'll talk about how navigators process and how trailblazers process. It's very different. But Explorer is going to search even after you've given them an answer. They're just going to search it through. Be patient and give them boundaries because they need boundaries. But I also want to tell you something about explorers. I think it's very important. Before you present something, give them scope. You know, uh, you know, Phil, sometimes when you're staff, you say, here's what we're going to do. Here's our project. And if you don't say, here's the scope of the project, your explorers and your trailblazers are probably going to go way out beyond the scope of what you wanted because they love to think big. 
So I find with explorers, even in your church, if you are more detailed at the beginning of where you want to go, how much you want to spend, how far we want to take this, then the explorer has a little bit better idea and will not overdream or not oversearch, but will give you a little more uh, uh, in detail what you want the first time. We may go into this a little bit further on the on the second podcast, but you said something a moment ago. You said Joseph was a low-end explorer. Yes. Now, we'll go into this kind of at the end of the second podcast when people have a little bit better understanding of all the styles. But just for a moment, what did you mean when you used the word low-end explorer? Well, I think that if we, it's probably a low end, a high end is better. It's just another way to say, and maybe more of an introverted expression of the personality or a more uh, extroverted personality. Another time we can talk about this, but I find that in a room of people, you find people who are a little bit more uh, passive. They don't mind doing whatever, but they're not going to volunteer to leave. They don't have to talk all the time. They don't raise their hand. They're more like taking things in. And then you have another person in the room who's super assertive and they always volunteer. They always have something to say. They always have an opinion. I feel like God wants us to move to the middle, which is expressive. Because if you're passive, you'll miss out on opportunities. And if you're assertive, you'll miss out on opportunities because you're overextending yourself. But we move to expressive, which is really who Jesus was. So a low end is just someone who's just a low end expression. For instance, an explorer, a low end's all about enlightenment. What should I know? They, they love to just learn and seek. A high end expression of a explorer is not enlightenment, but it's change. In fact, they're wanting to enlighten others. That's the difference. The low end's wanting to be enlightened because they're fascinated with searching. A high end is basically saying, Hey, this is what you should know, and I'm going to hear. I'm going to change the world. And you look in history. There's presidents of all four adventure styles, but there are some presidents who are very much uh, dreamers, uh, but they're more of a low personality, just even keeled. And there's some that are much more assertive and much more aggressive. That's the difference of the low end and the high end. And so, just to help us out a little more, you gave us some biblical examples. You just said it. Then give us one or two. U.S. presidents that we would all know who probably were explorers. Okay, this is this is really interesting, and this will also explain why explorers, pastors love an explorer, but sometimes explorers make them nervous. So you go back in history, Abraham Lincoln was an explorer. He wanted change. He saw things different. He was very empathetic with people. Um, another explorer uh, wasn't a president, uh, but in history would be Martin Luther King, I have a dream. He didn't want to, he wanted to change the world through philosophy and through a change in people's hearts. You have uh, Ronald Reagan, who was an explorer, who was a great communicator and was very personable. Uh, you had John F. Kennedy, who was an explorer and very much in tune with reading and the poets and writing. And then you come up to President Sooner, you had Barack Obama, who was very charismatic on stage and enlightened, was someone who was known to enlighten people and wanted change. In fact, his campaign slogan was change, right? So if you look back at those people, they were all people who said, I see a world that we don't have at the present. I think this is how we can all get there. But there's one thing that a lot of those guys had in common, Phil. Can you figure out what it is? 
Well, I could take a guess. They, they connected, they were dreamers. Is that right. right? That's right. Another thing, they were a lot more assassinated and attempted assassination. Interesting. They scare people to death because they want to talk about what's not here. They want to talk about the future. And some people love to talk about the future. Other people was like, I like the way it is now. I'm making money off the way it is now. I'm comfortable the way it is. I'm the leader of the way, way things are now. They talk about a world that's not there. And frankly, that scares people to death. Mm. I say even my relationship with what I do at Turning Point, I'm an explorer. I'm always about change and moving forward. And I'm kind of that pebble in Dr. Jeremiah's shoe. I was like, hey, come on, you know, we could do, but I never want to be a stone. I want to mm -hmm. be, I want to create change by being pleasant and thoughtful and being patient and humble. But there are explorers who are radically want to change things and that does scare people. So that, those are some, some examples of some world leaders or, or United States leaders that people love. They've brought change, but it scares people. So let's transition then to the second uh, adventure style, which is quite different from an explorer. It's the one you call a trailblazer. So tell us about a trailblazer. A trailblazer in your church is someone who's like, pastor, we can do this. They are all of their pursuit pattern. Their approach to life is, is powerful. They power through things. They're the ones that pull a machete out from uh, some type of bag and say, pastor, if you want us to get there, we're going to get there. And they start chopping trees. They don't always have a plan. They usually don't have a plan, but they will cut down the forest in front of you. They will leave all sorts of debris and dust behind them but they will get there. They're the ones that are all action and not a lot of, not a lot of finesse. They, they're motivated by impact. They want to win. They're the people in your church who, when you say we need a project done, they volunteer. Why? Because they like to see their imprint on something. They like to look at something and said, I did that. Uh, uh, they're like achievement and a low end is like, hey, I want to achieve because I have to do my best. A high end is about winning. They have to achieve because they have to be the best. And sometimes these people are can be a little bit of a bull in a china shop sometime. They're the people, and you can think of them right now, who are like, I'm going to get this done. And you're like, hey, I don't mind. the. I'm so appreciative the way you got this done, or I'm appreciative that you got this done. But you kind of you kind of sometimes were a little bit uh, awkward, and you didn't weren't self-aware of how you got it done. But the reason why is because these people, trailblazers, they love results. They're not a question mark like an explorer. They're an exclamation mark. They want an exclamation behind what they do. They're confident. They're competitive. They're fearless. They're risk takers. And winning is their significance. We won. We did it. We got it done. On the flip side of that, they kind of think before, they kind of act before they think. They act before they think of the consequences. And sometimes actually the ends justify the means. And so sometimes even in some of our Bible expressions, they can be a little impulsive and impatient, but these people love to lead. They don't like to follow. There are persons in your church that are really direct and blunt with what they have to say, but they are people who get things done. They are the people in your church who connect to God through action. They're project focused. Sometimes explorers will sit and 
talk about what they want to do. The trailblazer says, are we going to talk about this forever? Or are we going to get it done? What's the action? They're all about action. You think of, uh, so I think of uh, two, two um, trailblazers in the Bible, Moses. I mean, he's an impulsive leader, right? Um, and when God called him to, to take the children of Israel, the Hebrew children out of Egypt, everything that God, every way that God reacted with Moses was powerful, a burning bush that did not consume. Uh, when he, Moses went to, to see Pharaoh, uh, he said, I can't do this. And God said, you tell him I am sent you. That's all that that trailblazer needed to say, hey, I know I am, he sent me. Pharaoh, uh, when he got to Pharaoh's court, he threw his staff down and it turned into a serpent uh, to, pro to prove that he had power from God. And what did the astrologers and sorcerers do? They threw their staffs down too, and it turned into snakes. But what did his snake do? It consumed the other snakes. All the power, power plagues in the Bible, if you don't do what I say, you're going to, you know, it's not going to go well. Big big plagues. It wasn't small little plagues like hay fever, eczema, or diaper rash. It was big things like fire, you know, and, and, and I mean, blood and frogs and sickness. And even when Moses crossed the Red Sea and uh, God said, you know, lift up your hands, raise, raise your staff. It really wasn't that God needed Moses to do that, but Moses needed God to do that with him. He needed to be that center. So all through Moses's life, God used, surrounded him with support and saying, hey, if you step forward, I will bring this impact. They tend to want to be the center of what God is doing. They don't want to be on the outside. And I think God uses those people. Um, and when you think of the impulsiveness and the impatience of Moses that prevented him from seeing the promised land, that's the sad part of that story. But all through Moses' life, God supported him by power and by big impact. And, you know, Peter is another trailblazer in the Bible. And people give Peter a bad rap. All the, the writers of the gospel say, you know, Peter did this, Peter did that. But, you know, there's only one other guy that ever walked on the water besides Jesus, and that was Peter. He was, fearless. Mm. He was fearless. And the only time he, he messed up is when he took his eyes off Jesus. And yes, he was impulsive and cut someone's ear off. And yes, he was verbose about sitting in next in the right hand of 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 Jesus in in, in the God's kingdom and yes he proclaimed he would never deny Jesus but at the very end of that story when Jesus turned to Peter and said upon this rock I'll build my church why did he choose Peter because he was not afraid these people are not afraid they're fearless and they connect to God through action just like those guys did and they sometimes may attempt to outpower God when God doesn't seem to be moving fast enough or delivering the results that they hope for. But the people in your church who will get behind you and say, Pastor, if you want us to build this, we will get it done. It may not be with a lot of finesse, but they'll get it done. And they can be sometimes a little egocentrical. They can be, uh, they can be a little hot-headed and have a lot of strong opinions. They're not afraid to speak up and say what they think. But again, if you see that their motivation is just that they want to win, uh, that's great. You know, Phil, I notice a lot of trailblazers leave churches because they feel like their pastor has lost their winning spirit or their pastor mm -hmm. has lost their ability to want to do things right or not grow or happy to be where they're at and not continue to move the church forward. 
Trailblazers usually are very frustrated with that. Well, I can see why, because as you know, I am a trailblazer, uh, probably a low end trailblazer. I hope, I I hope I'm more center uh, because sometimes when people are trailblazers and we do have a lot of wins, the temptation is to become egotistical. And even at points um, you can become narcissistic if your heart's not guarded. But God uses us because where the explorer may think about it and think about it and think about it, it's the trailblazers who say it's time we've got to move forward. They'll, they'll, absolutely. And I would, yeah, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, Phil, for you, like you're a spirit controlled individual who has a great balance in your life. And I think what trailblazers do, like I work for Dr. Jeremiah, who's a trailblazer. I will tell you that that's the best thing that happened to me as an explorer to have someone say, okay, if you think we can do it, let's go do it. And I think that's your leadership too. Hey, if we think we can make this happen, let's go for it. Mm -hmm. Well, one of the things that I think sometimes happens because of these two personalities is there's a little bit of a conflict because trailblazers sometimes have to work at connecting with people. Yes. They're, they, they tend to be very good on a platform to speaking to the masses, but one-on-one, sometimes they struggle. Uh, sometimes because when they are talking to an explorer, as we talked about, they feel that explorer is asking too many questions and you're not trusting me. Right. Or, right. or are we going to spin our wheels all day long on this project? So is it fair to say that pastors who are trailblazers and many pastors I know are trailblazers because there's a tendency for us to want to gravitate to be the leader in churches. Is it fair to say trailblazers kind of gravitate to being the chairman of the committee um, or the person who's going to lead the campaign? Um, Is that fair to say that we tend not, not because we just, kind of get a little irritated when people aren't moving fast enough. Agreed. They love, they love moving the ball. Like coach, give me the ball. I'll take care of it. That's who they are. And they love achievement and they look for things to do to say, Hey, we, we made that happen. And you brought up a good point about trailblazers and explorers. A trailblazer doesn't want to know all the details. They want results. They're all results oriented. When I sit down with a trailblazer and talk, I start with the, with the results. Even with my leader, I sit down and say, this is what I'd like to accomplish. This is what it would look like. This is what it, this is all the, this is all the big rocks. He doesn't want to know all the details. So in other words, you have a trailblazer who is all about putting the flag in the ground and you have an explorer who loves the journey. So if a trailblazer doesn't understand that the details and the path getting to the flag that you just, the stake you put in the ground is a journey for an explorer, then they frustrate them. Trailblazers gravitate to getting things done and getting things done fast and explorers love that journey getting there. So if a trailblazer understands, hey, let them journey, but let me give them a deadline and then I'm going to put the stake in the ground however I see fit, then both are happy, I think. But you're right. Trailblazers are the ones that will, the first ones to, to, to volunteer to, to get things done. They love being the hero. They love being the person that people can say, hey, you know, Phil made that happen. So-and-so made that happen. They love that position. So let me ask you, let's help a pastor here. So maybe 
he is an explorer or trailblazer. Maybe he isn't. He's going to be one of the other two uh, adventure styles we're going to discuss. But for all of us, as a pastor, I want people to feel loved and validated and important. So how does a, let's go back for a moment to explorers. How does a pastor let an explorer know or cause him to feel he's a part of the team, a part of the church, important, uh, and at the same time, uh, take it with the trailblazer. How, what is the best way for a trailblazer to know they're valuable and they're important uh, so that they stay there? Because where I'm going with this is a lot of times pastors say to me, we have this person in the church or this couple in the church, and I thought everything was great, and then one Sunday they're not here, and then I found out they were like, well, I, I never felt validated. I never felt loved. So help the pastor who's listening. Let's start with explorers. How do you reward or validate and explore so that they feel a part of the team and they feel valued? Well, you have to see them as the value of, of their personality type. If you, sometimes we have to humble ourselves and realize that these other personality types, adventure styles, bring me great value. And that's a little bit of humility for the pastor to say, you know what? Explorers see things that I may not see. They are very discerning. They're almost prophetic at times because they, they can orchestrate. You know, there are planners and there are orchestrators. Explorer is an orchestrator. They see how everything works all at once. It's a very canny, it's uncanny how they do that. They see how it all fits together. And they're probably one of the few that do orchestrate more than plan. So they orchestrate, they know how it should fit. So acknowledge the explorers have a purpose in the initial dreams and goals of where we're going. It doesn't mean you have to, to do all of them, but just that you listen to them, just like your kids. They're the ones that go on a dream and talk and imagine. Give them that space. Give them that opportunity, but also give them scope. We're going to talk about it. We're going to dream about it. We're going to figure out what we feel, and then we're going to make a decision. And this is like the date we're going to make a decision. That gives them both the freedom to explore and yet the deliverable that has to be done at a certain point. They walk away and say, Pat, the pastor sees me and he hears me. I know we're different, but at least he gave me a chance to express how I feel. You'll keep your explorers that way. For your trailblazers, you have to probably, I introduced trailblazers into a project once the project's pretty well imagined because they don't like to sit around and imagine and, and they just want to talk about what are we going to, how are we going to get this done and what's my job? So trailblazers are the kind that I go to them and say, I need your help. You're the person to do this. I would like you to do this, but here's my expectations. They also need expectations. Scope is another word. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to use this. I'm going to use scope another time here because if they know their scope, they will stay in the in in their boundaries because they need it. I also feel like if I can talk to a trailblazer and say I need you to help me do this, but I also need you to help me make this a good experience for everyone and listen to everybody because they love achievement, they will do that. If I don't and just say, I need you to go take care of this, they might let that leadership position go to their head. 
But if I also add to that direction, but I want it to be a fun, interesting place where everyone's embraced and you listen to everybody, they will also do that because they love marching orders. That's how I'd handle each one of them. A trailblazer, give them projects, give them something that they can see their imprint on, and also don't be a church that is lackluster and that the facilities don't look good and that they can't be proud to bring a visitor to church because they will be embarrassed. You do not want to embarrass a trailblazer. So they want to be proud of what they, their church and they want to be proud of their pastor. Well, as we wrap up this first podcast, just a couple of other observations that I'm making and uh, you can speak into them just briefly or, or tell me if I'm on the right path. I have discovered that sometimes trailblazers like to be told they won publicly. They like for other people in front of people to validate them. And I've discovered with explorers, what's well, always nice to say something when it's one-on-one, -on -one, a note, when it is expressed to them, here's what you did and how I appreciate that is a rewarding way for them to feel validated. Is that a correct observation? Spot on. Explorers, of course, everyone likes to be recognized in public, but if it's sometimes public expressions to them, is it's it's meaningless because I want to know that it made a difference. Mm -hmm. And when you write a note, Phil, or when you call them, or when you send them a text, or when you find something that you know that they love and you send it back to them, you send them a quote. If they did something that was amazing in a church service and you find some quote that connects with that, that's that connection. It means that Phil saw me, Phil understands who I am. A trailblazer, they actually get nervous in personal uh, appreciation or personal, like they don't want to talk too deep one-on-one. -on -one. They, they love like that public recognition or they like gifting, like, hey, here's something I saw that you liked. You know, and I know that you're uh, you, you're a master of the grill. I bought you something from the. They love that. Mm -hmm. Anything that pushes them towards saying I matter, it made a difference, my imprints on it. Those expressions of appreciation are very strong. Well, our guest today has been Paul Joyner, and he's going to join us for our another podcast that you'll want to listen to as we talk about the adventure styles. Today, we've talked about explorers and trailblazers. On our next podcast, we're going to talk about navigators and travelers. So I hope you'll join us for that. Thank you for listening to Everyday Pastor. Our hope is that this conversation will be a resource to you, both personally and professionally, as you navigate the high calling of leading a church. For more information on today's topic, a list of related resources, or information about today's guest, please visit everydaypastor.info. Don't forget to subscribe to Everyday Pastor so you don't miss an episode, share it with your friends, and follow at Phil Waldrop on Instagram for podcast updates.